Take our Bibles, Proverbs chapter 22. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 22 this morning. Um, And as we've been going through the book of Proverbs this summer, uh, recently we've been just hitting different topics because Proverbs likes to throw in a verse here about a topic, a verse there about a topic. And so we've kind of been trying to gather all those verses and and hit different topics this summer. We've talked about humility. Uh, We've talked about the tongue, the words that we say. Um, And last week we talked a bit about fathers. And we're going to kind of continue that discussion here today and and kind of make it more into a family um, topic of discussion. And our starting text this morning is this one. It is Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning for this uh, as we look into his word. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you this morning. Um, humbled that you are a God who loves us enough to give us your word, to, to let us know who you are. So, Father, as we come to you here this morning, let my words be a, an encouragement to those who need encouraging. Lord, let it be healing uh, for those who need healing. Lord, and let it be a challenge for those who need the challenge, Father. And so, as we look at your word, let it not be my words, but your words that come out today. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So, our Proverbs 22, 6, like I said, is our starting verse as we begin to start talk about family. But before we jump into the text, I just want to recall an old-time TV show. Well, it's an old-time TV show for me, a uh, TV show probably from the 80s, maybe the 90s, uh, Family Matters. I don't know how many of you recall that TV show, but the, the TV show Family Matters was about uh, a family that lived in Chicago. The father was a police officer. I think there was a son and two daughters and a mother and I think a grandmother who was often involved. They were the main family, the Winslows. Um, and then there was one other main character. And if you ever saw the show, you would not forget him. I think he was, I don't know if he was just, if he was a neighbor or just a friend of the family, but he was a guy that was often, I mean, I guess you could call him pesky, but a well-meaning neighbor friend named Urkel. How many of you remember Urkel? All right. Urkel's the one that everybody remembers. He was a geek through and through. He had the big suspenders. His pants were up high. He had the big, the big round glasses and, and talked in a very nasally voice. And throughout the shows, what often would happen is the family would have something to do and Urkel would try to get involved, whether it's helping out with a home project or helping out with some advice or, or whatever it might be. But most of the time, it was help that the Winslows didn't want or ask for. Um, But Urkel's well-meaning help would often end in disaster, to which he would respond with a famous line, did I do that? You remember that? Okay, I can't can't say it in his voice. I think that's, that's a line that only that actor could ever say in that way. But he had that line where he said, did I do that? And I think often when we come to this verse in Proverbs, parents can likewise either get a a lurking or even an overly confident, did I do that question in the back of our minds. For some, this verse might feel like God's finger pointing out their guilt as inadequate parents. But for others, this verse is God's hand upholding them in their parenting efforts. And so we might come to it with different thoughts, different ideas, about what this verse means and, and how, it, how it, we respond to it. But as, 
As so today, what I would like to do is look closely at this verse, but also pull from other verses in Proverbs and try to come away with an understanding of the family and the connections, the roles of parents and children in following after wisdom. Remember, we've been talking about Proverbs is always, the book of Proverbs is a call for us to follow the way of wisdom. And Proverbs is doing that same call to parents, to children, and to families. So right off, we see in verse 6 here, we see that the parents are to train their children. This is a responsibility that is reiterated throughout the Bible. Actually, um, when I, I appreciate the first uh, song that Brian had ch- chosen because we're going to get into those ver- that verse in just a second. When God brought his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and started to build his own nation, a nation that he wanted to be a light uh, to the world, a beacon to the world of who God was and what he expected of us. And so God laid down his laws, his instructions for his people Israel. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we find these verses. He says this, you shall love the Lord your God with your heart, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these are the words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so right away, God's one of God's important instructions was, parents, I want you to continually be bringing this before your children. Parents were to surround their family with God's good instruction and wisdom. It was to be a part of their everyday lives every single day. From the very beginning, God created the family unit in a way that parents would nurture and cultivate their offspring. This is seen also in the animal kingdom, right? Those of you who like nature, who like to get out and, and observe nature. I like that we get some deer coming up in our backyard sometimes. But a lot of every animal out there kind of nurtures their young. They kind of teach them, okay, how do you scavenge for food? How do you hunt for food? Uh, how do you learn for the birds? How do you learn to fly? But unlike the birds who get to kick their kids out of the nest after a month or two, um, we get our children for a little bit longer. And so God designed us to nurture our children, and, to tra- and he charged us with the training of them to know and to follow him. This was, of course, the initial design. But when sin entered into the world, it not only separated us from God, but it separated us from each other. It separated husband and wife. There was husband-wife conflict. If you remember that very first sin in the Garden of Eden, there was husband-wife conflict, right? Adam said, hey, it was the woman that you gave me that, that caused me to sin. It, it also um, created conflict between parents and children. And so sin has bent, we're all bent by sin, and naturally we take the path of foolishness, as Proverbs describes it. Our natural t- bent, our natural tint is toward the path of foolishness. But by God's grace, he did not leave us to ourselves. Trapped and enslaved in sin, he sent, he didn't leave us trapped and enslaved in sin. He, instead, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins 
that we might be forgiven and have a renewed relationship with him and the ability to follow that path of wisdom. And as the verses say, for parents to train up our children in the way that they should go. So first off in our verse in Proverbs 22, verse 6, training up, train up children, there's, a, there's an invisible you there, you know, right? The, the invisible you saying, you parents, you, you guys right there, train up your children. Without doubt, the book of Proverbs, by its very nature, shows us that God puts a responsibility on us fathers and mothers to teach and train our children. First off, for us fathers, the book of Proverbs is a father's instruction to his son. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 says this, says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Again, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. And in 23, 22, it says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. The responsibility of training a child involves the father's participation. In fact, a a majority of the uh, the child training references in the book of Proverbs are to fathers training their sons, training their children. But although there is this quantity of references in Proverbs about training our children uh, for the fathers, there's also quality of references to the mothers training their children. Proverbs 8.1 says, My son, forsake not your mother's teaching. And again in 6.20, Forsake not your mother's teaching. And so let me point out in, this, in these verses that the father's instruction includes heeding the mother's teaching. Okay, this is not a, if you remember, if you've seen, okay, I've got four kids, so I've seen a lot of kids movies. All right, so we're going to reference some kids movies here. All right, if you've seen the movie The Incredibles, all right, you, there's, there's a scene in there where uh, Bob, the, the father, is kind of in his office distracted with something, and the mother and the kids are in the kitchen, and it is just, you can hear it's chaotic in the kitchen. It's going, everything's are going crazy. And so the mother yells for the father, hey, I need you to intervene. And the father's response is, kids, listen to your mother. And, that, and then it goes on from there. All right, that is not the instruction that Proverbs gives us. The Proverbs says fathers need to me to support and reinforce the mother's instructions. Parents were designed to work in harmony together in training of our kids, supporting each other, being able to count on each other for backup. Um, I've, I've come to the point where I've realized that even my two-year-old daughter, when she comes to me and asks, hey, Dad, can I have a snack? Can I have a piece of candy? I need to start out with the question, did you ask your mom? And what did she say? <laughs> because she's learned that, hey, if mom says no, maybe dad'll, maybe dad'll say yes. And so inadvertently, I end up saying yes, and then later find out, oh, mom said no. So I've learned, uh, hey, we got we to gotta figure it, we got to work together on this. And so I often with her, I say, hey, did you ask your mom? What did she say? All right. But, but for sure, the mother is involved in the instruction of children, of course. And here we have in verse Proverbs 31, verse 1, it says this, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle, or basically that means lesson, that his mother taught him. So the book of Proverbs is clear that the ones teaching, training our children are the parents. 
Now, parents, this is not to say that you have to homeschool your kids, you have to bring them to church and teach their Sunday school lessons and teach their junior church classes, but the parents should, as Deuteronomy says, consistently engage with our children to train them, uh, engage our children about God, His Word, His way, and train them up. Now, we have this word here in Hebrew, this verb, train them up, here, it's, it's an interesting word. It has a positive approach. The initial verb refers to a practice of influencing one's taste and preferences. It was often used for small children or if infants. They would rub like um, juice from dates or olive oil on their palate to kind of get them used to it, to kind of curb their tastes for that. Uh, the idea was to bend their or bias the children's tastes in a certain direction. Uh, I remember when our, our oldest daughter, Caitlin, was younger, probably about three or four years old. Um, we, she loved my sister, Audrey. Well, she loves my sister, Audrey. All right, she did back then, too. So Audrey was great. Audrey couldn't do, could do no wrong. Anything Audrey did, our daughter wanted to do it with her, you know, that sort of thing. She trusted her through and through. And, of course, my sister took advantage of this. Uh, one day, she sli- my sister sliced up a lemon, um, and and... She took a piece of that lemon and put it to her mouth and said, mm, that tastes really good. He's like, do you want to try some, Caitlin? So she handed a piece to Caitlin. Caitlin tried it, and of course she got that lemon squeezy face. And, and to, but my sister continued again. She's like, oh, isn't that good? And she would do it again. And so Caitlin would try it again. And the same, you should get that same reaction. And in training up our children, we must do it in a way that influences them to hunger for the things of God and give them a taste of the good life that is found only in Jesus Christ. Parents, our training of our kids should drive them toward God rather than away from God. Give them that sweet taste toward God. Another interesting aspect about this verb, translated train up, is that it is also used in other places in Scripture at the dedication of buildings or structures. Okay, so in Deuteronomy 20, verse 5, we see this. It says, Then the officers shall speak to the people, saying, Is there anyone... So they're talking about when they're, they're building up an army to go to war. Is there anyone, any man, who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man dedicate his house. All right? And so, also in 1 Kings 6, uh, or 8.63, Solomon offers a peace offering to the Lord of uh, 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. All right, this came at the dedication of the temple that Solomon had built. The emphasis is not on the dedication ceremony, but on initiating something with the idea that the first use sets the model for all the other future uses. In other words, training a child in a way that will set him on a path of continuing in that instruction. Kind of like in the, in the first drive, the kickoff of a football game, you want to you don't want your team to mess up on that first drive. You want to kind of set a precedent of what the game is going to go like. So within these, this word of train up, we see Solomon's instruction to parents to not give their kids a bad taste for life, but to show them the sweetness that God provides, and also to guide the steps of our children on the road to life. 
by showing them how it is done and by walking alongside them and helping them when they fall. Solomon continues and says, Parents, you need to train up your children in the way he should go. Now, we don't have to spend much time in Proverbs in order to see, in order to understand the importance of the term way. In fact, it's used 66 times in the book of Proverbs to describe both the right way to take and also the wrong way to avoid. There are two paths. In Proverbs, the path of wisdom and the path of folly or foolishness. We saw this early on when, when uh, we started in chapters 1 through 9. There was the call of wisdom. Wisdom was out there calling out, saying, hey, come follow me, learn from me, learn from my instruction. In the same way, folly was calling out and saying, hey, follow me, we'll have fun, we'll, we'll have a good time, follow me. There are two paths, the path of wisdom, the path of folly. The entire book of Proverbs is, call, is a call for us to choose the path of wisdom and to avoid at all costs the path of folly. And so as God calls parents to train their children in the way they should go, he wants us to set them on the right course, the way of wisdom. So that Proverbs 3, 6, so as Proverbs 3, 6 teaches us that by acknowledging him in all our ways, he will direct our path. Training is to be designed to set our kids on the right course. We are to point out both the right way and the wrong way. Proverbs 4, 11 Solomon says this, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. And also in chapter 4, verse 14, he says, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. He gives them both paths. He points out both paths to his child and says, Hey, this is the one to follow. This is the one to avoid. So when our our children tell us, hey, guess what word I learned in school today? And they blurt it out. You know, sometimes our initial reaction is, don't you ever say that word again, right? You know, they get the, pick up these words and they bring them in and they're like, oh, don't ever say that again. Instead, rather, we should, we should say, okay, that's a word that displeases God and it is unkind toward others. And we don't use it because of those reasons. We instruct them in the way that they're supposed to go. Not just say, don't do that. All right, here's where we're supposed to go. This, this doesn't please God. This is the way we're supposed to go, following God, pleasing God. We show them both paths and guide them in the right one. Um, as I said, we'll be going to Minnesota, and, and we've done this trip many times, and we, we've done multiple long trips, and so we found for long trips, we found an a audio uh, family drama called the Jonathan Park Adventures. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but it's, it's kind of like Adventures in Odyssey, if you heard Adventures in Odyssey, or something similar to that. Uh, we found these Jonathan Park Adventures, and we've listened to them on our long journeys. And one of the things that I appreciate about the Jonathan Park Adventures, what it's about is it's a family who, who um, through the course of life, uh, go through you know, life situations, and they, it's a lot to do with science and creation and that sort of thing. And the thing I appreciate about it is whether there's difficult times in their adventure or, or good times, the parents are constantly pointing their kids back to God and saying, hey, let's go to God with this. Thank, thank God for this. Let's praise God for this. And bringing scripture constantly into play. 
we as parents are to steer our children's heads and hearts to the right way. Now the verse goes on and says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. The verb that's translated old or to be old also has a couple of noun forms. It can be translated elder, as in one speaking of those with maturity and experience and who would lead the community. The other, interesting enough, is, is translated beard, um, particularly as a sign of maturity. So, you know, as, a, as the Hebrew men were growing up, this part of their sign of maturity was being able to grow that beard. But again, this is talking about children. So girls, don't worry. You don't have to grow a beard in order to, to show your maturity. Um, but it, it's, it's, in the end, it's talking about um, the word speaks of one beyond the age of childhood and even up into pointing to advanced in years. When the child is old, they will not depart from it. Now, if you're an adult in the room, whether you're 21, 41, 61, 81, or somewhere in between or beyond, what are some of the things from your childhood that you remember so clearly? I think for me, oftentimes, it, it comes in forms of music. Like, I can't remember what I ate for lunch two days ago, but if, if somebody mentions a song from, like, when I was in sixth, fifth, sixth grade, I could, there's some Disney songs that I could quote word for word, you know, without, you know, I haven't thought about it in years, but it comes back to me. Or maybe it's something, maybe for you, it's something that either your dad or your mom or a teacher or a mentor would often say. Uh, I had a, I had a, a professor in college who, our, our history professor in college, who would constantly refer to England as an island completely surrounded by water. Um, and so that just stuck in our heads, even though it was obvious that England, if it's an island, it's obviously surrounded by water. But that was his phrase, and so it stuck in my head. I had a science teacher in, in high school that whenever he had to go to the office or something, he'd say to us, don't be dumb. That was his instructions to the class before he left. Just those words, don't be dumb. All right, And that stuck with me. And you probably have the same uh, things um, that, that stick in your head. You know, and I'm not talking about those pesky commercials or something like that. Uh, again, a kids' movie reference, but there's a kids' movie called Inside Out that talks about that. It's a it's a great movie about learning about emotions and how they play into our actions and that sort of thing. But the, in the movie, there's a small girl named Riley, and the movie focuses inside her head. There are there's a control board, and there's like five emotions. There's anger. There's joy. There's disgust. There's fear. And I think I'm forgetting one, but there's these, uh, and my son's hand pops up. He knows which one it is. But anyway, there's these emotions in there, and they're the ones kind of controlling the control board. And then there's also these workers in the back that are like the memory workers. They work with all the memories. And the workers in the back jokingly always like to pop up this double mint gum commercial that just pops into the brain. And it's, it's that annoying song that keeps coming back. And so that's what it reminds me of. Or maybe it's a saying, again, that, you're, that somebody said to you. But in the book of Deuteronomy, which focuses on the children of Israel preparing to enter the land of Canaan, the promised land, after they had just spent 40 years in the wilderness for refusing to follow God in the first time, Moses constantly calls the people to remember. Look at these verses. In Deuteronomy 5.15 
He says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. All right, Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your hearts, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Another one, he says, Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. And finally, in 32, 7, it says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you. Your elders, and they will tell you. There's this constant call to remember what was taught to them in the past, what they experienced in the past. We are called to teach our children so that when they are old, they remember the way in which they were trained, the way of wisdom, and they do not depart from it. Now, parents, don't worry. That doesn't mean everything you say has to be catchy, uh, has to rhyme, and please don't turn your life into a musical. Your kids will dread you for it. But the Bible is clear that our teaching and demonstration about God should be done in a clear and consistent manner that gives our children a good taste for the things of God and a clear understanding of the consequences of making right and wrong choices. Now, before I wrap this whole thing up, since we are focusing on the family in Proverbs, let me just address the children in the room. And it'll only be for a couple minutes because I know your attention spans about as long as mine. So just a couple minutes here, kids. All right. First of all, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs was written for you. It is a loving and wise father writing to his son so that his son or child knows what the path of wisdom is and knows what the path of folly is and has the knowledge and understanding that enables him to choose the path of wisdom, that is, to fear the Lord, to choose to walk in humility, to choose to love others, to choose to speak kindly, to trust God's sovereignty, that is, his control, and to make good moral choices. Children or teens in this room, this book of Proverbs is being handed to you by God. It's being handed to you by Solomon, is being handed to you through your parents' training, but it is up to you to receive and follow it. Look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 27. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. If we refuse, if we cease to heed God's instruction or your parents' training in God, you will stray from the path of wisdom. You have the choice to do right or wrong, no matter what others are doing around you or to you. You have the choice to follow the path of wisdom to life. You have the choice to follow the path of folly to destruction. Your parents' training and and your church's training and the training of your mentors and those around you is to point you in the right direction. But the responsibility and the choices, choice is yours. 
But remember, the book of Proverbs teaches us that we have choices, and those choices produce your character, and those choices have consequences. And we can only follow the path of wisdom through God's help, and, the one, and one of the ways that God gives us help is by giving us parents to help guide us and steer us in our early years. I remember when I was a kid, um, one summer, it was my job to weed the garden that was at the end of the driveway down by the road. That was just mom's like, hey, here, this is your job. You got to weed the garden. And she gave me the instructions. She's like, it's, it's the middle of summer, you know, those hot July and August days when it gets up to 90. And she's like, go out early when it's still a little wet, pull it out by the roots and less weeds will grow. All right. Well, being a kid or I'm not sure if I was a teenager or a young teenager by then, but being a kid, I like to sleep in. All right. So I, I, I just, you know, I'll just sleep in a little bit. What, what's the big deal? All right. I'd sleep in. I'd go outside when it was a little bit warmer. Um, and I didn't want to miss the, the good cartoons all morning were like Spider-Man and X-Men and those. So I didn't want to miss them. So I had to get this done quick. So I just pop the tops off all the, all the weeds uh, and then get that done. In about a half an hour, I'm good. Um, and then about two days later, I'd have to, mom's like, hey, there's weeds in the garden. You got to go pick the weeds out of the garden. And there were like twice as many the next time. All right. And so I would go on and on like this. And it was, it was a frustrating summer for me. I, I'm not a fan of weeding at all. Um, but it's those, it's our parents are a gift from God to lead us on the right path. They are the ones that God has called us called to instruct us and to show us the way. And if we can learn to follow those visible examples, we'll have a chance to follow the invisible example of God when we're on our own. And so let me conclude it with this. Parents, um, one pastor, uh, Ray Ortland, writes, writes this. He says, your few years with your kids are a life-shaping opportunity. It might feel right now as though these high-commitment, child-rearing years will never end, but they will, and soon. Right now is your moment for enduring impact. There is more at stake for your child than getting into the best schools and the best sports and the best jobs. Your child has an eternal destiny. God has called you to train up your child to go to heaven. That is the ultimate, the way he should go. Proverbs teaches us the importance of family, the responsibility of fathers and mothers to teach their children the way of wisdom. That, that is the fear of the Lord, a love for him, his word, and others, and how to make wise choices. In Proverbs, we also see the child's responsibility to learn from their father and their mother and follow their teaching and to follow their parents' footsteps on the path of wisdom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning.